wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags and the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, amazing animal attractions, and this. Coke is summer refreshment, so you can hop on another ride, like the all-new Sidewinder Safari. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 off passes or daily tickets starting at $39.99. Welcome to another episode of Shortcomings, where we are shooting the shit about every episode of Sex in the City. I am your host, Samantha Bush, and I am joined by my other host, Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? You know, I'm good. Sam, we are going to, you know, get right into our beloved Sex in the City cinematic universe, because apparently these pictures are never going to stop flooding the, I was going to say the airwaves, the algorithm they're gonna they're flooding the algorithm yes and we got our first so they're doing this on purpose no i'm just not sure that a show that shoots in new york city can ever be like there's no such thing as a closed set when you're shooting on the streets of new york city and i was thinking i was like well then how did they do it with the movie sex they did we there were photos i mean i remember seeing her in that wedding dress Right, but there was no, like, Instagram, so it's like... Yes, there was no Instagram, but I distinctly remember we saw photos of her hitting him, of, spoiler alert, (laughs) of her hitting him with the the flowers, but there was also pictures of her hugging him, so they had to shoot two different ways, knowing that people were just around, camera phones were more of a thing then. I know that we're not, because we're not talking about the leaked stuff. No, no, no. Um... So I hope that whatever has been leaked is really not the truth and they're kind of just planting things to kind of like... I could see them leaking fake scripts. I can see them doing that because this is like their baby and I just can't imagine like Sarah Jessica Parker being okay with people knowing the entire plot. And this is my Game of Thrones. Yeah, like I just can't imagine that. But the pictures that were released this week... Guys, we've gotten our eyes on Mr. Big... He is back. And frankly, he's giving me more Peter Florek from The Good Fight than Mr. Big. There's something, I don't know. He didn't feel like big to me. Maybe because he was smoldering more than sparkling. He just seems so angry in the photos. Did you watch The Good Fight or The Good Wife? No. He's very sexy on The Good Wife, but it's definitely a different character. He gave me more Peter Florek from The Good Fight than Mr. Big. But maybe he's also John James Preston right now. I mean, we don't know what's going on between them. It also is different because he has gray hair. Yes, and he had gray hair in The Good Wife. So. And that was always like very, like I remember Big, you know, obviously he has like the really dark black hair. He must start to gray by the end of the show though, right? Why? Not like this, obviously. And obviously like they're older, so it's, I'm not like upset. I should also say he's looking great and I'd still, you know. Obviously. He's got those thick thighs. Mm. Thick thighs save lives. Yeah, are we sluts? Um, but I did have to, on my Instagram, I did have to put a little pinned comment that said anyone that is, like, going to age shame these people, like, I'm deleting the comments because it's so fucking annoying. People are like, oh, my God, she looks so old. It's like, well. Well, A, she's 20 years, 
she's 30, 22 years older than and when the show started. Still looks, they all still look amazing. Like, she I looks don't amazing. And, and frankly, before we get into the second thing, I do want to yeah. say this discourse around Sarah Jessica Parker not being an attractive person, I want to say two things. This woman was a movie star and she was on TV. And last I checked, Hollywood don't just let like hideous people star in things. So once you get on TV, um, we all need to, well, now, you know, we're letting Steve some- Buscemi? We're letting some, well, I would not say he's ever starred in anything. Really? I'd say he's been a supporting, he's like what I'd call a character actor. Okay, no, you're 100% right. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, to put the final gavel down on Mm -hmm. Sarah Jessica Parker's attractiveness, Mm -hmm. she dated JFK Jr. So all of us can shut the fuck up. Yes. Thank you. And she dated, like, she has a type. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr., JFK Jr., and Matthew Broderick. They all have very similar, like, they're all dark featured. Yes, dark featured. I don't know if. I would never put Matthew Broderick and JFK Jr. in the same. Say we fell down the ladder a bit. (laughs) We tumbled. We Uh, were Tom Girardi and we tumbled down the cliff. And by the way, I should add Matthew Broderick was my 80s crush. I think he's gorgeous. I think he's a good looking now, but like, you know, we tumbled. How old were you in the 80s? I mean, I was too, but I mean, okay. like, you know, when people go back to the 80s and watch movies and are like, oh, I love Judd Hirsch. I love Emilio Estevez. I was Matthew Broderick or bust. Emilio Estevez? I, I He wasn't my type, but he was around in the 80s doing stuff. Ew. The Estevez Festivez. <laughs> but we have to talk about, shout out to Cougar Town. Um, we have to talk about the return of another character. Okay. The bird in the head. <gasps> The bird. I put a bird on my head. Is that what that was? Yeah. I thought it was feathers. It was a bird. It was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So we have the return of the bird in the head. Yes. It is back. She put the bird in the head at the first wedding. We're seeing it again in probably the best outfit I think we've seen um, of the revival so far. Kind of, I would I imagine, the universally acclaimed outfit. Yes, I think this outfit felt very Carrie. Like, it felt very, like, how I envision her, like, when I think of her. And, like, a really tight, like, spandexy shirt, making like, making her literally look this big. She's so small. And then, like, a really beautiful skirt with, like, a heel. Like, that's just how I picture her always. No, but where are they? What are they doing? Do you have any theories, thoughts, concerns? I don't have concerns, but I did see a photo of her. You know how when Carrie speaks, she holds her chest? Yes. When she's getting passionate, she was doing that with Big on the streets. Are they going into their divorce proceeding and she decided to, re- like, what could be happening? I don't know. But I don't something know. passionate's going on. But I'm very excited. It was, it was uh, palpable to see them together again. And... While I do think he's closer to Peter Florek than Mr. Big currently, I hope we get a little Mr. Big sparkle towards the end, and I'm very happy to have the bird back. I hope so. And uh, you, the return of Bitsy <laughs> this week. I'm so confused. Again, is she just going to get like a little cameo? I hope it's like how we saw her briefly in the first movie in like a background. Right. right. These are just, they're, they're really, this is a real grab bag. I don't know. We don't need everyone back. I'd rather have um, Susan Sharon back than Bitsy. Oh, God. <laughs> Our beloved Dorinda Medley. Yeah. Um, I guess it, I mean, I like that they're bringing people back. I like that I also don't know, like, 
for how long? I mean, like, she could literally just be in one scene, but they're trying to get, like, press around it. Like, oh, Bitsy's back. Is there a character who hasn't come back yet, hasn't been announced as coming back yet, that you would look forward to seeing, that you want to see? Mr. Broadway. He's not coming back. There's no note of him coming back. Oh, Nathan Lane. Mr. Broadway has to tickle. Tinkle, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Broadway has to go tinkle. Bob, yeah. his, isn't his name like Bobby Bobby or something? It's, like, it's something. like something really jazzy. Like really jazzy. Mine would be either Nina Katz or the politician. It would make zero <gasps> sense, but... Uh, we need the politician. Because we don't know, by the way, who the president is. Although, no, we do know that the presidents match up to like our real world. Yeah. So Bi- so Biden's pres- president. I don't know. We could be, they're doing it during Cornova, so it could be Trump. <laughs> yeah. But I, we only saw them with masks on that one, in that one picture. Ever yeah, since maybe they're I've just never... jumping. Maybe they're tropic. Maybe they show Cornova yes. once and then we move on. Um, but yeah, those would be my two. I'd love to like come back and John Slattery is like the mayor Getting of New York. On. We'll get to that one day, but she should have peed on him. <laughs> should we get into the episode? Yes, of course. All right, so this is episode five, The Power of Female Sex. Um, before we get into the episode synopsis, I did want to note that uh, Gingy Cohen had a writing credit on this episode, and obviously she would go on to create Weeds and Orange is the New Black, but I'll always know her from Friends and Gilmore Girls as a writer on those, and apparently she did not have a great time on either of those shows, which is why she went on to create her own, but I did just want to note that this episode has a legacy. A legacy. Yes. I might have to have a little word with her about this episode because I have strong feelings. I can't wait to talk about them there. I will say I do think Darren Starr actually wrote the episode. Oh, okay. It was a written by Darren Starr, I believe, and a uh, story by Jen J. Cohen. I think there's a good story in this episode, but we'll get to it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. In this episode, Carrie hangs with an old friend and and an absolute icon that almost leads her to becoming a professional. Charlotte has a revealing trip upstate that furthers her career. And Samantha and Miranda are basic set decoration. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That sums it up. Samantha and Miranda are really just there, like... To, to just, hang out. They're yeah. just there for laughs. Yeah, for gigs. Kind of like both of us on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're just kind of here. Just, we're just biding time until they give us real story in season three. Yeah. But the oh. episode opens with a discussion of the most powerful women in New York. And I thought Diane Sawyer kind of made sense. Uh-huh. Rosie O'Donnell would have been at the top of her game um, with the talk show in 1998. And then do you know who Tina Brown, the third woman, is? No. She was a magazine editor. I believe she edited Vanity Fair. Oh. However, a few, a decade later, actually, she would write the Diana Chronicles, which is kind of the definitive, some consider one of the definitive books, if not the definitive book about Diana. And then when she, she is English. And when she lived in England, she wrote a lot of stories about Charles and Diana and their tumultuous marriage, like as it was happening. So she was uh, on, that was considered her front lines. Of the royal family way back when. So this yeah. awful white family's really been up uh, ruining our life for years. <laughs> and people have been obsessed with them. But I just thought that was an interesting three people to cho- that the show would uh, situate as being yeah. powerful. But then we find that the actual most in- powerful woman is the hostess at Balzac, who was doing some hat work. What would you think of her hat? Work. 
choices were made. I she looked like a circus ringleader. Uh, she terrified me, but I will have to say that while Carrie and Samantha are waiting for their table at the bar at this very crowded bar, they're acting like they've been waiting for three hours. They're they also, were waiting. I for was shocked 40, when they walked outside and it was daytime. They were waiting for 45 minutes. I would not wait 45 minutes for a table. Are you kidding me? No. At like this restaurant you're dying to go to? Well, I will say, I don't really wait for tables. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But I will say, I loved in this, um, I think it's such an interesting way to establish um, the episode's interest in power. Because A, just this idea of a hostess being the most powerful person. But at, at the very beginning, Samantha really mentions that if it was a man serving she would have been able to manipulate him, obviously, to get them the table. Yeah. So right off the bat, we um, get this, the episode's interest in power dynamics and yes. how, and very subtly, uh, Samantha introduces the idea that men can be uh, manipulated and very that that easily. is how she wields her own particular power. Yeah, I and it's also, I think, probably interesting because a lot of people that were probably watching this show weren't from New York City, so it... Gave them almost this like cool romanticized, maybe not romanticized, but maybe version of New York City where there's like a weight and like it's really exclusive and like that's what people in New York do. Whereas like people in like Minnesota probably don't have those type of. Is it hard for you to find a state as someone who lives in the Midwest to drag? Uh, I mean, I live in Detroit. I'm very easily draggable. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just thought it was great that you were like, uh, people in Minnesota. Yeah, I just had to like. Pull it out of my hat. I was like, yeah. Indiana. Oof. Well, we won't go into that. Ohio. Hey, I'm going there in a few weeks. Carrie. <laughs> but <laughs> Carrie, um, then she goes shopping for shoes. And the most, honestly, the most devastating thing that I think could have ever happened. And I'm so glad this doesn't happen anymore. Did it? Did it used to happen? I was going to ask you. Yes. Like, that did is that like really an- happen? Like people cut up people's credit cards in front of them? Yeah. Because um, I guess like... Uh, Look, and you and I know nothing about technology. I, I guess the internet wasn't as good back then. So, like, credit cards couldn't, credit card companies couldn't just turn your credit card off. So, the only way was to wait for you to go into a store, use it, then call the store, keep it. So, it was like a whole system. It's also I in Home died. Alone 2 how they track where he is. They wait, they wait for him to use the father's credit card and basically say, please flag this card so that as soon as it is used, I've never we can seen find Home where Alone. he is. That's upsetting. Maybe I'll come visit you in December and like strap you down and you have to yeah, watch all, I've both of them. I've never seen Home Alone. Never. Oh my God. Queen Catherine O'Hara. She's everything to me. I mean, in those like, movies. I get what happens. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's there in the title. Yeah. <laughs> home Alone. And he's then Home Alone 2. He's lost in New York. <laughs> but so it gets, her card gets uh, cut up. And she's at, she's at Dolce. Dolce and Gabbana. And we meet a true icon. I need her back in the revival. Whoa. Wow. I cannot believe we didn't actually. How did that even slip our, yes. What's wrong with us? I don't know. But now that I said it, I was like, why the fuck didn't we say that in the first place? We meet Amelita <sighs> Amalfi, style icon, sex icon. Hilarious. Hilarious. Beautiful. Comedy icon, voice icon. Just. The power that she has, the international the- influence that she has. I love it. She's everything to me. Everything. 
But of course you can. When have I ever given you a birthday present or a Christmas present? I mean, you are like a sister to me. Yet, I never see you. Oh. <laughs> the truth was, we'd only met a few times. Most people would classify Amelita as Euro trash. I thought she was fun. What'd you think of her? I'm immediately fascinated by her. I love her. I also think Carrie is probably at her worst this episode because I find wow. her very annoying. This entire episode, she really pissed me off. Okay. I would love to run into like a really rich Italian woman and have her just be like, I'll buy you the shoes. I mean, it's not you. you you're saying this like Carrie said no. She politely said no once, then was like, okay. True. She gave That's her the polite, which is exactly what I would have done, which is, okay, I must decline. You know, it's like how you reach for your credit card knowing you ain't going to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, uh, okay. And then sometimes I actually don't play that game with people. I'm like, no, 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 baby. <laughs> nope, Mine's staying paying. in my pocket. Yeah. Uh, I love her. What did you think? I was instantly obsessed with her, but I couldn't figure out if I used to be obsessed with her like when i had just like watched the show on my own yeah because obviously there's so much discourse on the internet calling her an icon which she absolutely is um she's magnetic you know you want to know more about her i would love like a spinoff with her yes immediately because and i don't i found it strange that carrie referred to her as euro trash because i'm like i find this woman to be very fabulous yeah i'm not sure is it because she's not actually from Europe and she's pulling like a Countess Luan where she just like hangs out with a lot oh, of no, Europeans. Oh no, I think Amelita Amalfi, you, oh you think she's a true scammer. You don't think she's from Europe at all. I feel like she's probably American. She then moved to Europe in her 20s. And took up a new name, Amelita Amalfi. Amalfi feels like a fake name. I mean the Amalfi Coast where a lot of people get into rosé, but like I don't, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I, I love I that as a backstory why. that she's a scammer. <laughs> I just don't understand this thought that she's zero trash. I was like, I feel like she's amazing. I but just, I'm also an American wearing so, a scrunchie. Well, we'll get to that in many, 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 many episodes. <laughs> yeah. I love this idea. And frankly, we said last week we wanted to see a Brooklyn-esque spinoff with Tommy the Doorman. And now I'm like, where's Run Her, Her Mayor of Easttown, HBO Max? We need a show called Amelita exclamation point. Amelita exclamation point. Carrie then heads home and she ponders kind of the essential question of the episode. I envied Amelita. Her life was a blur of rich men, designer clothes, and glamorous resorts. She didn't actually work for a living, yet possessed a dazzling sexual power that she exploited to her full advantage, which presented a certain conundrum. Where's the line between professional girlfriend and just plain professional? Yeah, I, like I said, I struggle with this episode. Let's talk about it kind of overarching then. Do you want to, what did you struggle with before we get into more specifics? I struggled with the constant term of, term hooker. <laughs> it was said so many times throughout this episode and I'm just like, can we stop? I'm only pulling up one episode when they say hooker with a passport. No, this is like they say hooker a lot in this episode, especially when they're in the hotel room and Miranda and Samantha and Carrie are having breakfast. They say hooker all the time. That's true. I can, I'm now thinking of it a second time. Look, if I'm putting like myself into 1998, obviously I think they're not going to be using the phrase sex worker. Of course, I understand. Yeah, but I think that the show, and we'll get into it a little bit uh, later, has enough space for at least one other idea to make it 
not necessarily balanced, but an interesting conversation. Yeah, like when they're when the girls are playing poker together in Carrie's apartment. What happens next, right? Like uh, yeah. Carrie invites the girls all, all over for poker in an effort to get a little bit more money and also to discuss everything that's going on. Can I also say something? Sure. I also am very shocked at how open Carrie is about not having any money. I was going to say that what I appreciate about this episode is that it begins to lay the tracks that Carrie has problems with money. It is picked up again later on, yeah. as we know. However, so, but I don't think it carries through the whole little show. But I do like this idea that we've already learned she's fairly irresponsible with money in the sense that she will even say later to Gilles, he says, like, does being a writer not pay a lot? And she says, oh, it, it's fine, but I have an expensive footwear habit. That It's not yeah. that she isn't getting money in. It's that she's, she's maybe not. She's just bad at managing. Yeah. Which, by the way, as am I, a fair amount, as someone who's about to buy, spend a shit ton of money on Ivy Park denim line, it's like, you know, I'm I'm yeah. not doing great. I'm just, I don't feel comfortable talking about money. It's just how I grew up. So just to sit around with your girlfriends and be like, I don't have any money. I was just like, oh, God, like, that's so strange. It's like, so I would funny. feel so anxious about that. Did you read the book Such a Fun Age? No. It's a great book by, I believe the author's name is Kylie Reed. And uh-huh. I gave it to a few friends of mine. And it really is about that time in your 20s when you're really struggling in your career. She's a nanny. Her other friends are more established. And they're going, they're constantly going out. And But she has these running monologues in her head of like, okay, I'm going to go out. I have to get this guy to buy me a drink. I have to... Like she hustles. How do I create a pregame at my apartment beforehand so that I can have a good time and people aren't drinking for me? Oh, crap, it's someone's birthday, so this is going to cost me this amount of money. So I gave it to friends, and I said to them, which I totally is am kind of in the same place of you, like money just isn't something comfortably that comes up unless you're Garcelle Bebe. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you get all your money? <laughs> Where did you get all that money? Um, however, I gave it to friends, and one of them called me. And we talked about how we so much related to that. And then I just felt so bad because I was like, but wait, we were trying to make each other. Like sometimes we were going out together, both having the same running monologue yes. of like, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to afford this? But you just never said it. No. because it was like assuming the other person was not having those thoughts. No, I was kind of like, I'm sure they have a shit ton of money. And <laughs> I yeah. just, I'm just like trying to keep up. By the way, yeah. we're both going into debt. It's like, so it's just, um. I, I agree. I applaud Carrie for, although I'm not sure she says openly, she says in monologue that she's strapped for money, but maybe later she says, I did tell him I couldn't pay my rent. Yeah. And she mentions to Amelita like, oh, I can't afford to go out. I'm pinching pennies. That's why I can't go out tonight. It's like, I would never say that. That's true. Yeah. Especially to like some rich ass Italian lady. Like, no. <laughs> Who's probably from Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> probably from Connecticut. I love the poker scene because, again, we're really digging into... It's being incredibly explicit about the theme of the episode, the intersection of power and sex. The only thing I did want to say is Charlotte talks like Carrie, her monologue voice. She says, oh, this reclusive painter came into the apartment and I pondered. It's like it's a very strange... She doesn't speak normally. She's very much speaking in the exact same cadence of the monologue voice. That is weird because that's just not how someone talks unless, like you said, they're doing a monologue. I will say one of the great things about the show is I feel like they do understand, particularly later on, the specific speech patterns of each of the women. Right. And that's just not how Charlotte talks, period. No. So it was very, it was almost jarring to me. But so they're (laughs) playing. 
I was like, it, did we go into monologue and now and now Charlotte's doing the monologue? What is this, Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. <laughs> Where we're trip, we're slipping around. Um, oh my God. And on Grey's Anatomy, never let a man do a monologue. It really pisses me off. So Samantha is basically saying, why not like use your sexual power to get what you want and get ahead? And if like if the man falls for it, then he's kind of an idiot and that's on him. And that there's some natural transference of right. power of power in anything. Yeah. And I think Miranda's point would be that that's illegal. <laughs> As a lawyer. That was her main take. She was always like, I'm your lawyer if you need me. And yeah. then Charlotte was just like, how could you do that? Yeah. But then we, um, somebody stops by. Oh my gosh. This is fucking Skipper. Okay. This so is let's just time... get into Skipper. Let's okay, just get into him. This is when time in the episode, again, doesn't make sense to me. What do you mean? She said, oh, he's coming to pick me up at 11. Yes, but 11? he got there at 10. No, why is anyone picking you up at 11? I would be fucking asleep. Well, they live in... A time is just different in New York City. Apparently. I was actually surprised they had already been at her apartment for long enough to play poker. Because it is just casually normal to start things at 10, 30, 11 p.m. Fuck no. I am like too exhausted. But so, okay. So he's an hour early to get her, which means that he is there at 10. Yes. Then Carrie is in bed and she's like, after a couple hours, so that's probably what, 12? She goes out at 12.30? Also very normal in New York. And frankly- You couldn't fucking pay. I would go out, I mean, pre-COVID, I mean, I don't go anywhere anymore, but pre-COVID, yeah. Like, I mean, there were evenings where I wouldn't go out until, because there are certain places that don't get pop until midnight. I guess I don't go to pop in places because I just like have anxiety and I'm just exhausted. Yeah, no, I mean, if you want to go to certain places, there's no point in getting there early and sitting through when it's not fun. Okay, that's true. All right. But let's talk about um, Skipper. So he shows up early. Um, Miranda describes him quite cruelly. Miranda is pissed. He's not supposed to be here till 11. Aw, he's like a sweet little seal pup. But you sometimes want a club. You're an hour early. Again, they're setting Miranda up in the very beginning to almost feel But saying unlikable. he's like a baby seal she wants to cub? No, I, that's what I'm saying. Somebody call PETA. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, in the beginning, they really make her very, I'm sorry, like, unlikable. Which, again, we've said this before, it is totally okay for female characters to yes. be unlikable. It's almost, like, heavy-handed how unlikable they're trying to make her. She comes across so mean. Like, there's the moment when she turns around, after saying goodbye to them, she turns around, and he's just standing there, and she's so annoyed that she turns and gives a glance to the camera and the girls of like, oh, can you believe this guy? Yeah. It's like, he's just standing there. I know, and he was, I mean, I don't like Skippy at all, but he was like, do you want me to go wait downstairs for an hour? (laughs) And by the way, only Carrie was like, Skipper, no. Yeah. Miranda was like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) It was just, uh... She's just so mean to him. And then, of course, we know that he comes over to Carrie's later. Yeah, so he comes over and he talks about how he is obsessed with Miranda, 
What did you think about when he said, we only have sex in the afternoon and then she makes me leave? What date? I guess so they have sex on Saturday, Sunday? That's what I'm saying. Time in this episode makes no sense because he came to pick her up at night. So are they not fucking at night? No, I think he probably just walked her home, according to Uh, my You know, that could be very true. But then, okay, so if they were having sex in the afternoon, then they're not during the week. Yeah, because Miranda's not taking off. She's not a dizzy bitch who would take off work to have sex. So they're only having sex on Saturdays and Sundays in the afternoon, and then she's making him leave. Would you do it? Both. Would you be the skipper, or would you be the? Would you demand that of someone, and would you acquiesce to that demand? I'm not an afternoon person. It's the worst time of day. Uh, So I would never want to have sex in the afternoon. Okay, so you you would neither go. Would you would neither ask nor go. No, neither. I think I would. Okay. Describe. What do you mean? Because, like, I'm finished brunch. Okay. Then maybe I, you know, stride over there, have sex. You're not tired? After brunch? I think I have an iron deficiency because I'm exhausted. Yeah, you might need (laughs) to. This whole episode is like just me talking about a tired. You might need to get some coffee or something. (laughs) I'm just constantly like, I'm too tired to go out. I can't do it. Let's let grandma wake up. Look alive. Sorry. Okay. No, okay. I get it. The whole brunch thing, like, I understand. And then you, and then I can go home, take a nap, and then go out the next night if I want to. Go at, at night if I want to. What? I like a full day. You're kind of like the coolest person I know. No, I'm not saying I do this often, but, you know, back when I was a valley of a 20-something guy, oh, absolutely. Okay. Wow. But you, I mean, we won't get into it, but I outlined my last Saturday for you, and I was up to a lot of stuff. I was bobbing around. You were bebopping. You were bouncing yeah. all over town. You bebopping. Were, you were about to be, isn't it bit bop, bit bop, bopping? I don't know. Bopping around? Bebopping? You might have an iron deficiency. You're old. <laughs> I did think, though, in that scene, Carrie was a good friend. Oh, it's a skipper? Yeah, like she she intentionally says to him, keep talking, I'm going to go get dressed. I think she's being very present with him. Yes, and then she holds his hand and he says, I don't shower after we have sex because I want to smell like her all day. And then Carrie releases the hands and washes them. And then she washes them. I think that joke would have been so much better had it just cut from her, from him saying that to her washing his hands, her, yeah. her washing her hands. It just, which the show later will do a few visual gags like that where someone says something and it cuts to something. And I think that would have been a lot cleaner and smarter than watching her pull away first. That was my only complaint about that. By the way, that kind of wraps up Miranda's whole storyline. Oh, yeah, you should shower after. I think that's actually going to be a storyline coming up. And I think we fall then. We'll have to to remember that we said that because we're now falling on the other side of where the show, I think, is. Yeah. Okay, I remember. Again, we do not know if we're spoiling things. But that's all that Miranda's really up to in this episode. But um, to your point, after the poker party, Amelita mm-hmm. calls Carrie and she's in bed. Hello? Carrie, you bitch! What are you doing? Actually, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Why don't you come and join us? We are at Balzac. And there is someone here. I'm dying for you to meet. Oh, I'd love to, but I'm really trying to cut back. You know, pinch a few pennies. You are crazy, you know that? Why don't you just come down here and be your fabulous dad? The truth was, I could barely afford that either. 
Did you notice what book Carrie's reading? No, but I did notice that she had sheep on her pajamas. And I'm like, that's something Carrie would never wear. They're trying to make it look like she's like really cozy and like. That's so cute. In bed. And I was just like, what the fuck is she wearing? She was also wearing like a house moo moo nightgown at one point, which oh I thought God. was. I loved. Do you want me to go put my nightgown on? It was hideous. I loved I it. I was like, I, what are we wearing? I thought it looked comfy, cozy, chic. It looked insane. But She um, looked like a ghost in the night, like. That's the nightgown that you wear, like, in a haunted film. I thought she looked... I thought it was, like, comfortable. Okay. It looked to me as close to what, if I was a columnist who wrote it home, that is what I would be wearing. Okay. That's Just very there. romantic. But she's reading um, this book called Night Train by Martin Ames in okay. bed. And it's a book about a female detective who is trying to figure out if a mur- if a suicide was actually a murder. It would later become a movie starring Patricia Clarkson and Mamie Gummer, who's Meryl Streep's daughter. It is just a very weird book. I cannot picture Carrie re- like wanting to go to bed reading a book about murder, but maybe she's a true crime true crime queen. She might be. She might like love to curl up and watch some Dateline. We know you do. I love Dateline. I'm always like I'm always ready for like everything. But again, the call between her and Amelita uh-huh. establishes that she has money problems. However, is not going to honor her decision because she chooses yeah. to go. And then she goes and the host is like, you don't have a reservation. And she's like, my friends are already here. We hear like, scoozy, darling. <laughs> yes. I would get so excited if she was my friend, like to see her all the time. Every time I hear her voice, I would be smiling. I'd be smiling. smiling. Yeah. And then the men are gorgeous. Okay, one thing I did want to say, I'm so glad you mentioned that, is I really appreciate the choice to make the rich men that Amelie is sleeping with all gorgeous. Gorgeous. I'm glad that they... Like, it's not like they're haggard, gross oldies. Yeah, they're like... like, I would sleep with... I would sleep with these men if they were poor. Are you... Absolutely. Abs... I would fuck them in the afternoon. Like, that's how gorgeous they are. Absolutely. Nice. Like, they seem just like rich dudes that just, like, traveling around. So what did you think of Gilles? Gorgeous. Stunning. I don't understand. (laughs) This is one of my problems with the episode is they really tried to make Carrie out to be this, like, really funny like quirky girl. I did think they could have punched up the jokes a bit when she's like, I'm just an oompu stupid. Yeah. And he was like, or when she's like, Oh, uh, shall we have another bottle of wine? Oh, well, what will you be yeah, having? It was a lot. It's like these, but it's like, let's make her puns a little bit better. We've got a writer's room. Let's, let's get a go work in on here these. because it, it just felt so like cheesy and like weird. And they just were all like enamored with her because she's so funny. I was like, is she But I was kind of obsessed with Jill. Oh, absolutely. So I had to look him up. He was giving me kind of Dennis Quaid meets Daniel Day-Lewis vibes, Jill. Jill is played by an actor named Ed Fry because I had to look him up. He is not French. He's from (laughs) Texas. I thought he did a great job. Fantastic job. I was like, this man's from France. I love him. He, He fooled us. But... Well, and we should also mention that in in some ways this episode establishes the idea of moving to France, i.e. Paris, which will become a running mm-hmm. kind of theme throughout the show of who's leaving to go to Paris, who's taking her to Paris, who's inviting her there. Um, Paris is which like I, a, big, I had forgotten a that, big role, a big part in the show since the beginning. Got, yeah, it's the show's, it's the um, sixth city. Mm-hmm. Fifth, the fifth city is New York. Well, you mean character. Character. Well, yeah. And then the and Paris. then Paris. Yeah. And then I, I just like that they don't make 
Amelita feel, I mean, not cheesy, yes, but they don't make her feel like, quote unquote, a hooker. Well, I think the actress is doing a lot of work there. She's, she's performing she's her heart amazing. out. I wonder if, if there is in some world where she was auditioning to be one of the main four women. Because she is that good. She's great. And they were like, well, we really like you. We're going to bring you back for something else. Oh, and they did. And they she knocked it out of the fucking park. I just wish we'd seen more of her. <sighs> I hope we, I but hope to your back. point of timeline, Carrie and Jill spend the night together, spend a romantic evening together. And at one point, it does look like they're leaving a museum, which at this point would be 4 a.m. Okay, so they go out. Oh, wait, you're right. Yeah, like that is not, they say like, I spent the evening with Jill. No, they could just be, have been walking past right. it. But the way it's framed is it looks as they if. They went to a museum, they did like night at the museum with Ben Stiller. Yeah, and maybe Jill built that. He is an architect. Oh, but it was just was kind like of one of like, his buildings and he got them in. Yeah, so. We, also, architect is such a sexy job. Is it? In the movies and TV. It's so Name one sexy. architect in a movie other than Jill. Uh... There's some, you know, there's some out there. I did have a former roommate who was an architect, and I I don't think she's ever going to listen to this, nor will he, Mm -hmm. so, and certainly her husband won't, but I had a roommate who was an architect, and they had, like, a moment, and she was like, he is so hot, he's an architect. It's a thing. It's sexy. I was like, he's not building, he's not pulling the wood himself, he's basically sketching. No, exactly. So he's, like, creative, but, like, also analytical, because he's, like, gotta, like, do math. But then Mindy Kaling brings this up on the Mindy Project, circling back always to Mindy Project, is... Always. She's like, this guy is an architect. He's so hot. The one one guy that she dates for a little while. That she meets in the bookstore. Who's the actor? (sighs) Don't do that to me. Well, we know he's a handsome white man yes, because it's the Mindy yes, Project. Yeah, it's the Mindy Project. But we get a rare moment of visual storytelling when Carrie walks away and starts floating. Um, usually, I the show hated that. Yes, because usually the show is so focused on explaining things through language because Carrie is a writer. I also thought, I remembered the her flying. I thought she was going to fly actually at the end of the last episode when she walks away from Big. Mm. I relate that visual imagery as having something to do with Big. Seth Meyers with the architect. Oh, well, not a handsome white man. You don't think um, he's handsome? But he keeps... He keeps stumbling up, doesn't he? I think he's handsome. I think he's like a guy you'd pass at the mall and give a second glance if you were angry at your then boyfriend. That felt too real. That scenario. And you'd look over and that would be Seth Meyers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't like the floating thing. It felt weird. It's just like the one time the show ever does something like that to my memory in terms of like fully visualizing a a moment. Um, and I was surprised to find that it was related to Gilles and not Big. I mean, I would feel like I was on top of the fucking world if I was out with him. Yes. So they spend another evening together. Well, day. And they were in the park. That's true, the whole day, because at one point... and petals falling upon them. And I'll bring up two things. At one point, they're playing on the Alice in Wonderland statue that's in Central Park. Or is I think it's just Lewis Carroll, actually. Um, they decide to go back to his hotel... It's a very sexy hotel. I thought it was hideous. Okay. All right. Very French music is playing behind them to just undercut. He's from France. Yeah. Um, And they seem to have a lovely night together. They wake up. I'm sure he's amazing in he bed. He her. He tells her. Did you say they make love? No. Oh. Did I? Ugh. I think you did. Ew. Run the tape. <laughs> That was sick. I didn't mean to say that. But they sleep together and he leaves in the morning. Carrie quickly he's realizes so he... He's so sweet. He says, stay. Have breakfast. 
Order room service. I'll call you soon. Carrie quickly realizes he does not have her number. <laughs> but I did think like, okay, maybe he's going to get it from Amelita and give That's her. What I, thought. I was like, Carrie, don't let don't let go of hope. But then, but then, but then. he left behind a note and a thousand dollars. Now, what'd you think? Was a thousand enough? Would you take it? Yes. Did you see Zola? No. But I just think like. She didn't like whip him or pee on him. So you're saying she only deserved a thousand dollars. Yeah, like, I don't know. I can't, um, I feel like $1,000 is good. $1,000 and a free breakfast? I'm just now thinking of Zola when, in that movie, um, she says, girl, you gave it up for a few hundred? Pussy is worth thousands. See, Carrie got a thousand. She got a thousand. And Zola, there's a plural, thousands. Said thousands. Yes, you're right. I would not have sex with a man. Well, I would have had sex with Jill for free, but if he needed to pay me. Okay. No less than five. Okay. Would you want cash or would cash, you want gifts? Cash, baby. What this, I've known this man 24 okay. hours. He doesn't know what I want. I don't know. Maybe you could like tell him. He could like get it delivered to your house. No. I'd rather just do that myself. I'm also very flighty. What if I wanted something different? Oh my God. Or he could get me like an Ivy Park gift card. You're so insane. <laughs> so she invites Samantha and Miranda over. Now I have to say... Her friends seem to be very Free. not busy. Yeah. I was like, if I ever called my friends, it was like, come to the hotel and have breakfast. They'd be like, we're at work. Or like, we're Well, I would be like, friends. I'm on my way, bitch. I'd be like, free lunch? I would leave work. I would order two eggs Benedict's. Basically, they, I mean, they're ordering brunch food. So it's maybe a Sunday. I'm assuming it's the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, they, but they come over and they continue their conversation about power dynamics and how it relates to sex and this time money. And I guess the real question is, is there room for Samantha's idea about those things intrinsically being aligned? What are you getting so uptight about? I mean, money is power. Sex is power. Therefore, getting money for sex is simply an exchange of power. Don't listen to the dime store Camille Paglia. I think where Samantha is is closer to our our more realistic idea of feminism, Mm -hmm. I would say, in 2021 than what would be considered Miranda's more traditional idea of feminism. Yeah, I feel like Miranda probably grows to be more on, like, a Samantha side eventually. Where there's an understanding, right? Like, Carrie is not a sex worker. However, there should be no shame in the transition of sex for money. So Samantha's kind of, um, as always, ahead of her time. Yeah, and she's like, who cares? Let's get this Egg Benedict and let's get going. And and Carrie takes the money, right? Yes. For some reason, okay, I've seen this episode so many times, but before I rewatched it for this particular podcast, I was like thinking, I was like, did she leave the money on the table? If she had left that money on the table, I would have murdered her. I know, I would have been so upset. I was watching a clip of Girls earlier, and I just flashed okay. to um a moment from that show. Do you remember when um she comes back from the bathroom and Adam is masturbating? Yes, I do. And she he only has hundreds, and she takes them. Yes, and some gum. Yes, something just flashed to me about a hotel room and I money love that. because because there is the in the pilot of that show. She wants money from her parents, mm-hmm. and she tries to like order room service, but the parents have cut the card off. Then I flashed with her having money in her, oh no, in the pilot, and then she steals the tip that the parents have left for the the hotel, right? And then She's goes and buys pizza. Money from people. 
Yes. But with Adam, um, I feel like that was like she deserved. Oh, that. she earned she earned that hundred dollars. Yeah, because he had like a mattress on the floor and he was being real weird. Yeah. And he was masturbating in front of her. So he was what? Remember they had to do like a role play in the moment. Oh yeah, where'd you meet me? Yeah. At a party. I met you at a party. Yeah. No, you're on the street. You're a crack baby. Yeah. I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm a baby. <laughs> Anyways. But Miranda at one point calls her, it's the most esoteric, strange women's studies reference. She calls her a dime store Camille Paglia, which is this really sh- problematic white feminist who people have dragged up and down the street. And I was just shocked to be flashback to like my women's studies courses. I was like, whoa, Camille Paglia. Who is that? She's a white feminist who's had very problematic views on like transgender women mm, okay great but basically so she's just calling samantha a bad feminist basically oh gotcha. but not roxanne gay gotcha okay so carrie and carrie and samantha go back to balzac again this time it seems firmly at nighttime mm-hmm. samantha's whole point is is like oh well carrie's been here before it is shocking to me that carrie's like i'm hungry it's like well bitch why didn't you eat i Listen. It was. I was actually mad at Carrie. No. I was like, you know, Samantha wants to go to this restaurant. Why would you not snack lightly before? I had this conversation with a close friend. We went to a soccer game a couple weeks ago because I'm a sporty girl. I'm sure and you were pretending to do this for a man. No, I wasn't actually. This is after I got dumped. Thank you. Um, so my friends and I we went to this like cool soccer game that Detroit has like for the Detroit like football club or something. I don't know, never been. Get that right. Yeah, and like sports. And then my friend was so hungry, she waited in this line for this fucking meal for like an hour, maybe forty five minutes to an hour. And I'm like, you didn't eat before we came. Prepare, bitch, because now I'm missing the opening like fireworks and stuff for the game. The only part of this I wanted to see. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm here for like the smoke and like the running onto the field. Like that's so yeah. exciting. And the drums, there's drums and stuff. I was like, and I'm in this fucking line. So she also thought that she was getting a kielbasa. And so I'm standing in the line. This is like so off topic, but I don't care. I was standing in the line and I'm like, are there two lines to get kielbasa? And I look, we've already been in line for 20 minutes. And, the li- and I'm like, this isn't even the fucking line. This is the line to get like... A euro. Well, I hope she got one of those. She did. I forced her. Okay, I was good. like, we are not going to the back of the kielbasa line. <laughs> I will kill myself. <laughs> um, but they go to Balzac again. Carrie has not eaten, which I find annoying. Very. And they run into Amelita a now third time. Mm-hmm. And she's now with a new man that is not Carlo. All which I men. love that within a few week, a few days, she's dropped Carlo, has got a new guy. And she introduces Carrie to a new European man with a lot of money. He's Italian this time. I thought he was cute still. Very. But but he was not, um, he was too handsy. Yeah. So ultimately, Carrie really does consider it for a moment due to her money issues and also maybe just wanting to get out of New York. But ultimately, because of this man's hands, and she decides not to do it. I couldn't say I wasn't tempted. I realized that I could leverage myself like the human equivalent of a sexy junk bond. I'd parlay that thousand dollars into a trip to Venice, into a nice piece of jewelry, a rich husband followed by a richer divorce. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to say goodbye. What I don't love is is that it almost seems like a a reproach on Amelita 
rather than the men. Yes, that's what I felt too. I was like, mm, I don't like the vibe. I don't like the tone we're going for. Yeah. So then she goes to the bathroom and runs into the hostess. Runs into the top hat. Even to the bathroom, she's wearing it. She is committed to that fucking top hat. She's like the Monopoly man. She's absolutely insane, this woman. Mr. Monopoly and But she asks for a tampon and, and Carrie, Carrie gives her one, which I think is um amazing. And then ultimately <laughs> the hostess gives her a seat at they give she seats Samantha and Carrie mm-hmm. and this idea that, um, at least between women, power can be transferred through camaraderie and friendship and yes. acts of kindness. Now, can that be the case between men? We'll have to see as we keep watching. Yeah, but you know what I wish we got more of is Charlotte. Her well, we can get into line. Charlotte now because it was like a brief little interlude. This episode's very short. Very brief, but also like I want more. You wanted more? I was very interested in this. So we meet reclusive artist Neville Morgan, upstate, who is has been known to paint nudes, but is now situated his work on women's genitalia. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte thinks it's lovely. She thinks it's beautiful. They're very powerful. Exactly. The most powerful force in the universe. The source of all life and pleasure and beauty. That, that's true. I used to paint... He has a very specific word he continues to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I His wife used it. Readers, listeners, watchers. I did text Sam and I said, look, you know, we clip things out for the show. Do we clip out him continually saying this word? And we decided on no because we don't. I I would not say this word on this podcast, so maybe you guys don't need to hear it, even though you watched the episode. Yeah, it's the C word. I mean, obviously, the see you next Tuesday word. It's not a favorite word of mine. Um, I've only used it in very rare occasions when necessary. But uh, yeah, they were... V- if pushed, it will come out. You know what felt really weird? Is that he he painted these like really beautiful port- portraits canvases, of these yeah. canvases of these women's vaginas. But refer to them in such, like, a nasty way. Like, that's such a nasty word. And then his wife did, too. Well, did you know who plays his... Do you know the actress who plays his wife? Of course I don't. I don't know her name. Okay, so you However, do you know what she recently starred in? No. It's another HBO Max show. She was the... She was on Mayor of Easttown as the older woman who's always calling Mayor over to, like, look in her backyard. The one who died? No, her she husband died dies. No, she dies. Does she die? Yeah, because then the husband says, I've had an affair with Mare's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. she does die. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, so that was her. The minute I heard her voice, because I'm so obsessed with Mare, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that that's her. That's my gal. Um, Yeah, it was just very strange. And then Charlotte apparently does it. She's like, yeah. She does it. And then is like giddy to like have the women come. So she also has a professional success, um, which is great. She books this guy. And I don't know if I would be so excited or titillated to like see my friend's vagina painted. Really? But I am not interested in vaginas and I'm also not a woman. So I am not interested in vaginas, but if my best friend hosted like a an art show and she was like, My vagina is on one of these walls, I would be like, which one? Well, that's what happened, and um, to say the least, 
Charlotte leaves them all speechless. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but in this case, I was speechless. And that's the episode. And Carrie's in a kimono. Yes, so what did you think of the fashion? That kimono is obviously, I think, a little... Maybe we would not wear that now. Yeah, I don't love it. I also hate Miranda's brown sweater she wore at poker. Really hated that a lot. I mean, there was nothing really great. I will say I loved everything Amelie I was just going to say that. (laughs) I I loved everything that, like, she was wearing, like, a little green number and then, like... That had a matching jacket. Everything always was, like, really sexy. It was, like, stuff you would honestly see people wearing now. She looked, she looked amazing. 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 So what'd you think of the men? We had Neville, Neville Morgan, Gilles, Carlo. We had the gentleman who squeezes butts. Yeah, obviously. And Skipper. Oh, and no big. No big. Although he's, I think he's uh, coming back like a wrecking ball next week. I'm excited. I am too. But I liked Gilles, obviously. Yes. Well, he's he, my front I'm runner. Gonna, I'm going to have to completely agree the in terms of men we would sleep with in this episode. It's absolutely Gilles. Mm-hmm. He would be a little, I would do it for free. So that's what I would tell him up front mm-hmm. is don't leave me a thousand dollars, but this is not a transfer of power. And I'm doing this freely if you want, but feel free to leave me a thousand dollars if you so free. prefer. But my actual rate is 5,000. Oh, okay. I love that. Know your worth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely him. Uh, I just really, I really would just like to see more Amelita. That's really the only thing I feel. That would be, yeah, my hot take would be, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. Amelita is, at this point, the most iconic character from the show. Yeah, she's- No one is doing it like Amelita at this point. She's given us more than, like, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte. (laughs) In this one episode, and honestly, I'd say Carrie. She's a breakout (laughs) She is she the star is a star, and I'm surprised they didn't bump her up to supporting role. Amelita in the city. The fact that Bitsy is coming back and not Amelita, I'm now pissed. I'm ready to take to the streets. I'm ready to fucking march my Except ass to the New Delta variants coming. So, what would you give it out of ten? Five. I would give it a five, and I would give Amelita a ten. She's not included in my rating. We land exactly in the same place. Amelita is 10 out of 10. She might be a 12 out of 10. She's iconic. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That voice. Scusi, darling. The episode, I'm giving a straight three. Okay. That was, I, I thought was generous this was, with mine. I thought this was the worst one yet. And I felt the same way. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I, again, I'm comparing it to future episodes, I think. And I shouldn't do that. But this is just was like... A filler episode with a great with a breakout star. I just look forward to it. By the way, we're giving rating this low. I'm pretty sure we've been talking about it for an hour and ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just look forward to the day we're not so tethered to the original columns. I am too. Oh, and then she also looked at the camera this week. Yes, right at the top when she's doing the uh, monologue. Well, guys, that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening again this week. We hope you'll join us again next week for our recap of Season 1, Episode 6, Secret Sex. Again, I have no idea what that episode is about, and I can't wait to see it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out the other podcasts from The Dip, TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, Slut Pig Podcast, 
They have a new podcast called But Now We Said It. And of course, hot off the mess. Sam, do you have anything good coming up on the podcast next week? Next week, I have a group. Uh, well, you released a great episode today with you and Steve, who you. just launched his podcast. Yeah, but now we've said it. It's his amazing podcast where he goes episode by episode into Real Housewives of New York, or Real Housewives of Orange County, and he has great guests like Gina Keough. Uh, he's interviewed Joe De La Rosa. He interviewed uh, Ashley, Lori Peterson's daughter. There's like great guests like Amy Phillips. It's just going to be so much fun. So, so if you're in the Housewives, you got to listen to But Now We Said It. If you want to benefit deep dive... Check off how to hot off the mess. You can follow me online at clewis1219 on Instagram. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we can't wait to uh, chat with you guys next week. Bye. Bye. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Is that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, Now, Jerry, it's over. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. That new doctor is drop-dead gorgeous. Please, he's just another RV League-educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.